1208, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Let me see how I can start off the program. This is one of the damnedest stories I have ever heard. <laughs> it, it's all right. I, I first saw this on today's on uh, actually it was Fox Six had the story the other day, so I'm paying attention to this. It is another story that comes from Greenfield, and with all due respect to the folks who live in Greenfield, I do not know what is going on there. It seems like. You, you have become like Sheboygan South. It used to be like every weird story we would get would come from Sheboygan. Now it seems like on a daily basis, whatever the weird story is, it is coming out of Greenfield. All right, so here's the way it was first reported. Let me share with you the Fox 6 story. A Walmart, this is the Walmart in Greenfield. A Walmart customer stopped a retail theft in progress by taking down the suspect as he was about to exit the store. Fox 6 News spoke with a customer who said as soon as he grabbed the suspect, all the merchandise fell out. At the entrance of the Walmart in Greenfield, police reports show a 39-year-old man was trying to walk out of the store with unpaid video games, more about that in just a minute, in a black plastic bag. But Mark Hammer, a good Samaritan, stopped him. When I grabbed him, all the merchandise fell down, said the 34-year-old guy, Hammer. The suspect pushed, this is what this is what he says, he says the, the, the shoplifter pushed a security guard down, an employee down. He's an older gentleman. I didn't like that, and I said, no, you're not going to do it. So Hammer tackles the guy and holds him on the ground until police arrived. The shoplifter said he was going to have me arrested for assaulting him. I told him, well, no, I'm not assaulting you. I'm just holding you until the cops get here. Police reports show the 39-year-old suspect was not alone inside. Authorities came across his 31-year-old girlfriend who was being held by a, a loss prevention officer. She was caught with about $172 worth of merchandise that included women's tights. Drug paraphernalia was also found on her. I don't like that. I don't like what they did, said the guy that tackled them. The couple's behavior inside the store became suspicious to employees who began to monitor them closely by the electronics session. The suspect, all right, well, we'll get to that in in just a minute. So what, what happens is apparently you have this guy and his girlfriend, they go into the Walmart in Greenfield, and they start trying to steal the thing blind. She's ripping off stuff. He apparently has stolen a bunch of video games. He's got 10 to 15 video games in his coat and in this bag, valued at 275 bucks. He tries to get past the security guard, kind of bumps him in into him, and then what happens is you have this this man who's there, he sees this going on. He's a uh, former high school football defensive lineman. He makes the tackle. You know, so he takes him down and he holds him waiting for the police to arrive. Now, it also turns out that the guy who uh, the guy who um, did this, they say um, he's been charged with retail theft, et cetera, et cetera. But he has a he has a criminal he has a criminal record, all right? So this is this is not his first time at the rodeo going there and, and doing all this. So you you've got the you've got the scenario here. So you've got the you've got the two people, boyfriend and girlfriend, they come in, they're stealing the Walmart blind, the guy is trying to get out, bumps past, knocks over a security guy, or I don't know if it's a greeter or whatever, and so you have a citizen that we're describing as a good Samaritan who tackles him, puts him down. All right. That's not the interesting aspect of the story to me. The interesting aspect of the story is that the 39-year-old shoplifter has now decided to go public 
And he is all over television talking about this incident. He says, well, you know, he's sorry that he was stealing all this stuff. But his beef is, I shouldn't have been tackled over it. They should have just let me go. And he's mad at the guy who tackled him. Here's what he says. And this man is going on television to say this. Me and my girl, this is a quotation. Me and my girlfriend decided to steal some video games from the place, and I was the one to walk out with it. Uh, She was supposed to come out behind me. I'm unemployed. What a surprise that is. And I guess I needed the money or the merchandise or whatever. That's no excuse for my criminal behavior. One thing led to another, though. He threw me into a red box machine and ended up busting it. I, I hit my floor, I hit the floor with my head, and basically he put me down and laid on top of me. I could barely breathe. Right now, so this is his story. He, by the way, again, has a lengthy criminal record, although he says, this is the first time I ever tried to steal. I've been committing all sorts of crimes, but this is the first time I ever tried to steal. He says, I'm just trying to make it out there, out, I'm just, this is, now this is the shoplifter. This is the thief. He is on television saying, I was just trying to make it out of there alive with, I would add, all the stuff that he stole. I was just trying to make it out of there alive. I don't know what possessed this guy to do it. Um, And again, the guy that that tackled him said, he said he was going to have me arrested for assaulting him. I told him, well, I'm not assaulting you. I'm just holding you until the cops get here. And then in what is my favorite statement of this whole thing, the thief, the thief says, I think what this guy did was wrong, and I think he should be punished for it. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Guy and his girlfriend are in there trying to steal everything they can from the Walmart store. As the guy is trying to make his getaway, he knocks over a security guard or a greeter or whatever, one of the employees, and this guy, who's a former, the, the, the customer, sees this, takes him down, holds him down until the cops come, and now the thief is saying, well, I think this man should be punished for holding me down. 414-799-1620, that is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is is the thief a sympathetic figure? He says, hey, I don't, I mean, I was just, I yeah, I know I was wrong in trying to steal this stuff, but this, this guy, he assaulted me. He took me down. Any sympathy at all? 414-799-1620. We discuss in just a minute. Gru is lining up the phone calls. Needless to say, this to me is one of the most amazing stories of the day simply because I lump it in the category of we've really gotten to a point in America where some people have absolutely no shame. The shoplifter is on television complaining that he was caught by the Good Samaritan. Are you sympathetic? 414-799-1620-1215. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. He's apparently frustrated that the guy that tackled him isn't going to be punished in any way, shape, or form. Where do you come down on this? We discuss. If you're on the line, please hold on. 1215, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. I swear you don't make, I cannot make this stuff up. Stick around. 1217, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Now look, I'm, 
I'm, I'm not, I don't really want to debate the merits of if, if you see a crime in progress, like you see somebody that's shoplifting, is it advisable for you to get involved or you should you simply just let the guy run out after stealing the stuff? That, that That's one issue. But in this particular case, you have the guy that got involved. Now you have the shoplifter who's going on television complaining about the citizen that tackled him and held him for the police, demanding that the citizen be punished. 414-799-1620. Let's start with Trish on the south side. Trish, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Uh, number one, I think the young man that uh, held him for the police should be given some kind of citizen's award. Right. And number two... So you're not sympathetic to the shoplifter? Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> and number two, <clears throat> the um, television station's all running to interview him. He should not have been given the privilege of being interviewed. He was He's a criminal, and he should be treated like one. Well, you know, I guess it's it, that is interesting, because I'm getting a number of texts, for example, that, that make that, that point, that why give the shoplifter any airtime? He's a thief. Good for the Good Samaritan. We need more people like him. I, I guess, I mean, I, I understand on the one hand, but... I guess I'm thinking if I'm a news director, I'm a reporter, and you have somebody like this thief who is, at least in my opinion, so incredibly clueless that he now thinks he's the victim, um, I guess I'm curious as to whether anybody would agree that this guy was the victim in this particular thing. Well, I certainly hope not. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet uh, Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's talk to Lisa in Greenfield. Lisa, this is your neck of the woods. Good afternoon. Hi, um, Trish kind of stole my thunder. My comment was the criminal is an idiot. We all know that the programming director who put this on TV needs to have their feet held to the fire. Hey, tell me don't why you give think these that people the time of day because you... we don't need to give them the time of day. This is the reason why people want all the sympathy and we need to stop all this sympathy for criminals. Criminals are criminals and they don't excuse me, they don't deserve the sympathy. Well, I mean, I guess my question would be, do you think there's anybody that looks at or hears this story that's going to say, oh, maybe this guy has a point? Or is the general oh, reaction? Yes. Oh, really? Okay. Yes. Oh, yes. A lot of the, <laughs> a lot of the snowflake liberals will. Oh, yes, they shouldn't yes, have tackled him. Well, I'm, I, yeah, <laughs> thanks for call. Well, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, to me, this isn't necessarily a conservative or a liberal thing. The, the, guy, the guy is a thief. Now, I, I do understand that if you change the facts a little, you know, maybe you get into a discussion. Like, let's say, let's say the man tackles the thief, and the guy does bang his head and ends up dead. You know, hits his head and he and he dies as a result of that. Well, then you've got kind of an then then it's a different conversation. Now, in this case, he he wasn't injured. I guess he was bruised a little bit when he got knocked down to the floor, but uh, you know, the the bruises will heal, so he's not injured, which is why I, I think his decision to go on TV now is just particularly galling because you know he's the thief. And again, I love, I mean, I love, you know, what, what he's saying is like, well, you know, I, me and my girlfriend decided to steal some video games. I'm unemployed and I guess I needed the money or the merchandise or whatever. Doesn't know. No, he's just, apparently this guy's just a creep and a thief. Uh, There's no excuse for my criminal behavior, but I, I think this man who stopped me from doing it should be punished. Well, I, I think this guy's got a lot of problems, um, and especially if he's looking for some district attorney or somebody to punish him. Maybe he's trying to set him up for a lawsuit. Maybe that's where this goes, to which you never know what juries do, but I would say good luck. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Bob in Hartford. Bob, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, good afternoon. Hi, Bob. 
I've been in this situation where the Good Samaritan, uh, like, like the Good Samaritan, I should say, twice in my life. Once was when some two guys were stealing from a local pharmacy that's well-known, and I did the same thing this guy did, but actually banged him up worse, and nothing ever happened about it. I actually, the store sent me, uh, sent me a letter of thanks, and another retail uh, big chain actually would offer me a reward for catching <laughs> somebody doing that. And so the, the guy, they shouldn't even put him on TV because that's what he wants to, to try to put in somebody's sympathy. Yeah, well, I guess, I mean, I guess that's my question. And that's what I find to be the interesting aspect of the story. Is there anybody out there that might be sympathetic to this thief? Because I'm sitting here thinking, what guts? I mean, what guts would you have? You're, you're, you and your girlfriend are there. You're stealing the stuff. You admit that you're stealing the stuff. You push over, you know, an employee, and then you're going to try to play the victim card. I mean, is there anybody that could seriously buy into this? And may, maybe they're out there. I sure as heck hope not. Exactly. And to go on and say, yes, I stole. <laughs> you know, just come out and say, yes, I stole. You know. But we're trying to justify why he was why he was stealing. Well, right, you know? right. No, thank, thanks. I mean, right. And now, again, that would be my other advice. I, I, I was kind of curious. You would think if you are going to go on TV and you are going to tell this story about why it is that you're stealing all these video games. I mean, you would think you would make something up like, well, I've got all these children at home, and and you know they they just they 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 weren't they were going they just really wanted these different video games, and, and they they wanted just I I just I wanted to make their little faces happy on Christmas morning. He's like, well, yeah, me and my girlfriend decide I'm unemployed. I guess I needed the money or the merchandise or or whatever. Doesn't he? <laughs> okay, maybe it is just hey, you're a thief, buddy, and you know, pure and simple. Let's talk to James in Kenosha. James, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi. Hi, James. Uh, my comment was, if I was the judge, he'd get double the penalty for that. There's, <laughs> we have too much sympathy for the criminals nowadays, and and they raise a complaint like that, and, and the media picks up on it and makes a big uh, thing out of it, and, and it's just we've given the criminal too much recognition, and the guy who stopped him deserves, you know, like like your former, your previous caller deserves a. A reward and, and a pat on the back for doing it. Yeah, I I, I agree with you. No, James, thanks to call. I mean, I, I I agree with you. Now, again, you you can if you talk to a lot of stores. I mean, they will tell you they don't want the customers getting involved because they don't want the customers getting hurt. There, they would rather just allow the thief to run away, you know, get away, and maybe they'll catch him. Maybe they won't. So again, I don't want this conversation to be, and that wasn't my point in launching into it, about the merits of, of getting involved because I understand that there can be a situation where all's well that does not end well. I mean, maybe the thief is armed, you know, maybe it's the good Samaritan that gets hurt, et cetera, et cetera. But none of that happened here. I mean, the bottom line was the thief got caught. The thief was not seriously injured. The Good Samaritan wasn't injured. You can tell this guy has got a lot of jailhouse lawyer about him because apparently when he's being held down for the police, he's screaming, you're assaulting me, you're assaulting me. And the guy who's holding him down is saying, I'm not assaulting you, I'm just holding you for the cops. So you can tell there's a lot of jailhouse lawyering that's going on here. And I don't know, maybe maybe there's going to be a civil lawsuit. Maybe there's somebody out there hoping that this character, you know, when he gets to use his one call from the jail, calls him up and there's going to be a lawsuit or something that that's filed hopefully hopefully and this comes from my perspective as a recovering lawyer hopefully there's not an attorney out there that decides that there, there's too much money at the end of this particular the pot at the end of this particular rainbow is not particularly big but you never know where this is going but in any event i mean some people there's that tv show on, Sh- on showtime called shameless 
Well, if Shameless needs a character, this is a guy who should be auditioning for Shameless. Just saying. 1226, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1237, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. Interesting show today. I describe it as eclectic. If, if you want three hours on talking about the latest weird developments out of Washington, that's not today's program. We will talk a little bit about some new poll numbers that are out involving the president and whether or not whether or not people still care about some of this stuff with Stormy Daniels and campaign file, finance violations in the National Enquirer. That's coming up in the one o'clock hour of the program. But first. This this is an I, I hate the phrase it has gone viral because it's such a cliche, but this is something that has in fact gone viral. Perhaps you saw it. The the, the guy's name is Jackson Rackicott. All right, he's seventeen years old. And he works, or at least up until a couple days ago, he had worked at a Walmart. Again, this is the second Walmart story we've had in the hour. Grand Prairie in Alberta, Canada. So, all right, so th- this is this is out of canon. If the video, I am not going to play it because to get the full flavor of it, you, you have to hear some of the words he uses. And if I were to play the full video using some of those words, I would be in meetings. And as we all know, my goal in life is to try to avoid meetings. Tell me, Jeff, why did you think it was a good idea to play this video with these words in it? And, and if we did play the video, I would get yelled at and my producer would probably get fired. And I don't want him to get fired around the Christmas time because they would say, why did you think it was a good idea to listen to Jeff when he suggested we play this? So be, because... I don't want to be in meetings, and I don't want to see Gru fired. We're not going to play it. But it's a 57-second. You you can access to it. Access it. If you go just on the Internet, you put in Walmart teen fired or quits, you, you will you will get it, and you'll be able to see the unedited thing. What what he does, he's 17 years old, and he decides that he's he's going to quit. All right? So what he does is, he, you know, of course, in today's day and age, we all take cell phone videos of ourselves. So he's taking a cell phone video of himself. He puts the phone down. He, You can see him. He smiles into the camera. And then he, he picks up, you know, one of the phones, one of the service phones. And I guess the way it works is there's a code. If you're an employee and you want to get over the speaker system, there's a code that you punch in. So he punches in this code, and then he gets on the speaker system. And so he says, attention. All shoppers, associates, and management, I would like to say to all of you today that nobody should work here ever. (laughs) Okay. Um, I'm a loyal employee here for over a year and a half, and I'm sick of all this blank, the bogus write-ups, and my job. And then he goes on to say, I've been written up by my manager, and I complained about her, and they didn't do anything, et cetera, et cetera. So all I have to say is blank Walmart, although he doesn't say blank Walmart, I'm, I'm out of here, et cetera, et cetera. So it, it's this kind of obscenity-laced tirade, and then, then, then he leaves, saying, you know, nobody should ever, nobody should ever work here. And, and then he leaves. Now, apparently, he had another job lined up, so... Uh, but he said he'd been working there for a year and a half. But you you get the idea. It's a very, very public, I'm going to quit. And what you can hear in the background is you can have hear a couple other employees that are applauding him. Oh, this is great. You really did that. You really told them off. I mean, this is great. Walmart sucks, et cetera, et cetera. All right. So he quits in this very public fashion. And now he, he's certainly getting his 15 minutes of fame this this video has, of course, you know, gone viral. He says his assistant manager had called him a waste of time. 
um, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, he said, this, this, this is it. You know, I'm, I, nobody should ever work here. So blank Walmart, whatever. All right. He's being viewed in some, in some circles as kind of this, this hero. Here's a guy that's standing up to the man. I mean, in a very, very public fashion, you know, he told his employer to take this job and do you know what with it. All right. I want to open up the phone lines. Our numbers are 414. Our number is 414-799-1620. I understand that there's, oh, this guy told off his bosses, etc. I, I understand that there's an element of that. I also understand that even though lots and lots of people shop at Walmart, people like to hate Walmart. Oh, I, you know, we, we hate Walmart, you know, even though people like to shop there. But, but, but here is my question. Should this guy be applauded? Now, he's 17 years old. Should he be applauded for quitting this job in this fashion? Or is this an incredibly immature act which after the folk hero aspect of this video dies down might ultimately come back to hurt him i mean seriously i don't know about you but i mean i, I i've never i've never left a job in a huff but I, i've always tried to leave jobs on the best terms possible not quitting on the spot and not doing something like this to try to embarrass the employer employer and i guess i kind of wonder you know Aside again from the, oh, this every man, the guy's kind of a folk hero because he told off the bosses. I mean, is this the kind of kid that you would want to hire moving forward? 414-799-1620. Is this young man a hero for quitting his job this way? Or is he kind of an immature punk that, you know, maybe future employers better beware of? How do you view him? 414-799-1620. We discuss in just a moment. It's 1243. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1245, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. If you haven't seen this video, you you, you will. I mean, it, it has gone viral. It's this kid up in Canada, 17 years old. He's been working at Walmart for a year and a half, and he decides he's going to quit. All right, so he, he decides, take a cell phone video of himself. He goes on the intercom, and he launches into about a 60-second. This place is awful. It sucks. I'm quitting. Blank Walmart, blank this, blank that. You know, the rules they have are blank. All those types of things. And, and in some circles, he's being viewed as, oh, my, this, is, this is every man. This is the guy who's taking his boss, his, his, his employers. He's doing what everybody would like to do. You know, tell them to take this job and shove it and that type of stuff. And I'm sitting there thinking, you know, I, maybe this is just because this is not what I would do. I mean, I understand, I guess you want to quit a job or something, but big picture, does, does leaving a job like this after he gets his 15 minutes of fame, does it make him – is it going to make him more attractive to employers? Mark and Racine. Mark, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Two quick points. Um, I'd, I'd label him today's hero, but tomorrow's dog because yeah. an impulsive decision like this is just going to come back to bite him in four or five years. And, and you know, we, we've all been told never to burn a bridge, right? So if you – and. <laughs> Happy people don't leave companies. We've all left companies unhappy about something, but you leave in a way that allows them to invite you back yeah. or to leave the door open to right. your employers. Right. Or, or the, I mean, look, the, the kid was collecting a paycheck for a year and a half. So, I mean, yeah. you know, you, I think you, you owe you owe that to your employer. They gave him a job. Now, maybe he doesn't like stuff about it, and that, that's fine. But, but to quit in this public fashion, I mean, I don't know about you, Mark, but if, if I'm – if I'm the place where this kid is going to, 
and this is how I see how he treated his, you know, former employer. I'm thinking, do I really want this kid working for me? Because, you know, next time he gets hacked off at me, as he inevitably will, what's he going to do when he walks out on me and leaves me in the lurch? Sure. Yeah, I've, I've hired a lot of people, and I'd never uh, hire a kid like that. Yeah. No, th- thanks for calling. I mean, again, it's, it's I mean, you, you want to... And I'm sure you know he's basking in this right now because he's a he's a social media star, and I understand there's lots of people that that don't like their jobs and don't respect their bosses and and would love to do something like this. But I just I, I sit there and I wonder: Do people not think about what the long term consequences of something like this might be? Amy in Wauwatosa. Amy, you're on WTMJ. Hi Jeff, how are I'm, you? I'm well, thank you. Okay, is this the way to leave a job? I, no, and I agree. I would. You said everything I was just going to say. Um, if he still has a job to wherever he's going, I would be surprised. And it's tempting to do that. I'm not 17, though. Right. Um, and I've never left a job in that manner. And I think kids just don't understand the impact of the fun things that they think they're doing. Well, it's interesting. Yeah, I, I would take a moment. Right. It might have been fun, but it's a bad move, and it's going to be out there forever. And Wait. it's Right, yeah. right. Well, right. It, it it is. I mean, I have a text from one of our listeners, Sammy. Says this is a wise. This is the wise guy generation coming. Attitudes, smartphones, entitled. It's a dangerous mix, and it it is. Absolutely. It's it, it's this this impulsive sort of thing. I'm I'm going to tell people without thinking. Well, you know, at, at some point in time, you might want a reference from that. <laughs> you might want a reference from them. It's you work for even, your. You're never going to get a reference from them, obviously. But you know, and as a mother of millennials, I I'm like you don't. don't you don't have to share everything you think. <laughs> yes. You really need to edit yourself, whether it's on Facebook or whatever. Right. Because this stuff isn't cool. It's not funny. Right, exactly. It might be if, funny on a TV show like that Superstore show that's really hilarious. It's based on Walmart, I believe. Right. But it's not real life. Well, well, right, and if you if you want to tell your friends, hey, you know, Walmart really stinks, and you know, nobody in their right mind would work there, and this is it. That that's all well and good, but you don't need to tell the world. No, thanks for the call four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. I just I didn't see this kid as, as being a hero, and yet that's that's the way a lot of this is is playing out. Jesse in Waukesha. Jesse, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi. Uh, Hi. My opinion is, you know, in America, when you're Working for these uh, low-paying jobs, um, it's pretty clear that, you know, you said that he was there for a year and a half. I didn't personally watch the video, but if he was there for a year and a half and he said he put his heart into it and, you know, management is not giving them him the respect that he needs, you know, for these low-paying wages and he's putting his heart and soul into it, you know, sometimes making, you know, a crazy thing that is, you know, going to go public like that is what America needs. You know, because it's been proven. The better management treats mm-hmm. the employer, employees, you know, the better, you know, you're okay, going to well, get Let that. me ask you this, Jesse. Let's say you you are, you know, you're an employer, okay? So you're you're hiring people for a, a similar type of job, you know, something in, in retail or fast food or whatever. Mm-hmm. And this guy comes through the door and you say, wait a second, you know, I, I just, I, you're the guy, you know, who quit Walmart in this fashion. Are you going to be? In, are you going to think twice about hiring him? They'll definitely jeopardize him personally. Yeah. That way, yes. But at the same time, I feel that management in general, in these lower-paying ways, they need like training on how to treat employees because I feel like they treat them with a lack of respect. Yeah, and again, I, thanks for calling. I mean, I don't. I, 
I, I mean, I, I don't know enough about the, the guy's individual circumstances. Nobody's hearing about the, the manager. My my guess is, and this is just a guess, I know nothing about this young man, but my my guess is if he would leave a job under these circumstances, he must have been a piece of work to work with <laughs> over the last year and a half. I mean, that, that, that's just that's just my that's just my sense because I'm not sure that you just kind of wake up one day and suddenly decide you're going to do something like this. My my guess is, and again, I'm I I don't I've never worked for Walmart. I'm not defending the management structure of Walmart or whatever. My guess would be, given the way he decided to leave his job, that there probably are two sides to <laughs> to the story as to how you know Walmart treated him. But I guess more more importantly, and the larger point is for people out there who might see this and decide, hey, I want to emulate this. I I just I, I think you got to be careful here because I don't think ultimately. Other than making himself, getting his 15 minutes of fame and making himself a temporary video star, big picture, I don't think this kind of thing helps him. Because like I say, if I were an employer, I would be concerned that if he gets a a bug up a certain part of his anatomy when he's working for me, he's going to do the same sort of thing. Adam in Milwaukee. Adam, you're on WTMJ. Hello, hello. Thank you for taking my call. Yes, sir. I have to say uh, it was very disrespectful of him, and he should have been more grateful that they gave him a job. If there was a problem, why did he stick around for so long? Yeah. Uh, You know, and my dad always told me that always uh, show show your boss's respect, and if you don't agree with him, you, you know, you go to higher management, because eventually... You know, my dad would always say, "Don't burn bridges that you have to cross again someday." <laughs> well, well, you know, well, exactly. Maybe he'll go. So, you know, he might get, he might have a new job, but what if it don't work out and you need a job right away? You could have gone back and talked to the manager, so can I have my old job back? Right. And if you left in good terms. Yeah, uh, you know they probably would hire you back. Well, well, exactly. And there's just there's just so many reasons not to you know not to burn bridges. You know, one of the you know the industry I work in, radio. One of the things that happens is a lot of times if if somebody is relieved of their duties, they're fired or whatever, they're they're taken off the air right away because management management is afraid of something like this happening. You know, somebody going on there. That's why you you always want to build a, a respectful thing. I mean, I think back on some of my colleagues who have 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 decided they want to retire and you know you it's been okay this is the retirement date this is you know this is when we're going to end the show etc cetera, etc cetera. and you have you know a couple months leading up to that or whatever i mean that's that is management treating you like an adult and giving you the respect that you know maybe you've, you've hopefully built up over the years by saying look i'm i'm don't you don't have to worry i'm not going to break incredibly bad but i mean i understand this is the concern that every employer has it's why sometimes you see people you know walked out with their boxes their you know box of future endeavors it's because management is concerned that hey you know they're, they're leaving they might do something whatever that's an unfortunate type of thing but it's guys like this that I think fuel that when management thinks that occasionally in any event I think this young man he's a star today this might be one where two years from now maybe he kind of regrets having the impulse control of a fruit fly just saying 1254 Jeff Wagner WTMJ it's 109, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Okay, Eric, we spoke too soon. Another day, yep. another freeway parking lot in the middle of the afternoon. Yep, this one's in Racine County. 94, yep, 94 northbound by Highway 20. Uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's interesting. I have two very close friends of mine who work 
Well, they work at SC Johnson in Racine, but they live in Milwaukee. Okay. So they're they're constantly driving that route, and I mean, they, they tell horror stories, and and it's just it seems like it's been that way, and and it doesn't matter what time of day or night. I remember a few months ago we were coming back from the river cruise we did on the Danube. Yeah. And. Um, it was a long day of travel. We started off in Germany, and then you take a two-hour bus ride to Munich, and then it's a nine-and-a-half-hour flight to from Munich to Chicago, and then you get on a bus, and you're coming back up here. So it's now like – and I had to work the next day on top of that. But it, you know, so you just you just want to get home. There's a time change. All you want to do is get home, and it, it's at, the bus is moving along fine, and then we hit that stretch of road. Now, this was like at 8 or 9 o'clock at night, and it was just a parking lot because of all the road closures and things like that. Then you throw in the inevitable accident, and the thing becomes a parking lot. Mm -hmm. Always. Yep. And this has been an issue that we've been dealing with, and I know there's a lot of people out there that have been frustrated by it because we've heard from, I know, actually, ironically, tomorrow morning, Debbie is working on a story about this very stretch of road. Well, well, because, again, it's, I mean, I understand that there's always going to be some inconvenience when when you have construction that's just the nature of it you know that's it, it, that is inevitable but it does seem like there are some some areas and some types of construction that cause more problems than other and this this at least anecdotally seems to be to be one of those those areas because it seems like this is a constant sort of thing mm-hmm. yep. all right so we will continue to keep you updated but if you are on that stretch of road, that's northbound, right? Northbound, yes, northbound 94. Racine this is right County. by K. So at right. Highway 20, that's when you're really starting to notice the slowdowns. Right. It, it's like a five-mile de- backup right, right it, it is. It is, as it often is, it is a parking lot. We will continue to keep you updated on that, as we, as we pretty much do every afternoon. It seems like there's one accident or another. All right. Let's switch gears. I um if you are a regular listener of this program you know that I am a uh, I am a huge dog lover. As a matter of fact, this morning, now if my bosses are listening, first thing I did got re- up really early this morning and spent a couple hours preparing the show last night and then a couple hours preparing the show this morning, got up real early. But after that, I w- I was running errands and actually I I have this sense of accomplishments. I I went to not one I had I had banking transactions at not that I had to conduct at not at one bank, but at two banks. I Made a dentist appointment because I, I I have like chipped this tooth, and it, it's got this filling that's just like slightly exposed, and it's not hurting right now, but I'm afraid that it might be hurting. So it's kind of like that. I'm thinking I'm going to ignore this, and then inevitably it's going to be Christmas Eve, and I'm going to do something that's going to break really bad. So I, I made a dental appointment Monday afternoon. That's how do you spend your Christmas vacation, Jeff? Well, I'm going to go to the dentist, but just just have them look at it. And then I, I went to City Hall. I paid my property tax, and most importantly. My dog, Sasha, is now legal for 2019 because the same window where you pay your property tax where I live, you also get dog licenses. <laughs> so I, the, actually, the, the woman behind the counter who was incredibly, incredibly healthy, help, helpful, she said, well, let's do the dog license first. Okay. <laughs> All right. That's, that, I like it. Let, let's, let's worry about the $10 dog license before we worry about paying the property tax. So I, I just – and I thought, well, that is, that is important. So my dog is now going to be legal in the county where I live for, for another year, and that's, that's great. So I, I'm a huge dog. Lover, and I, I talk about that all the time. I also, I mean, I appreciate, I appreciate that that dogs, and I'm sure you other pets as well. But for me, it's dogs. I mean, I understand why dogs give you 
give you comfort and things like that. I, I get it. I mean, the idea is no matter how crummy a day you have had, you walk in the door and the dog is there giving you unconditional love. The dog is glad to see you. The dog is happy there. All the dog wants to do is be petted, maybe get a couple treats and be walked a few times a day. That's they, they ask for so very little and they give so very much. So I understand why people turn to dogs to try to get comfort. I get that. But there is this issue that's out there with whether or not people are abusing certain aspects of owning a a pet. And it comes with this whole thing with emotional support animals. If you want to fly with, with a pet, there is a charge and there are limitations. I mean, there's size limitations. If you want to have the animal in the cabin, it, it has to be able to fit under the seat. The, the dog or cat or whatever has to be able to fit under the seat. And, and they charge for it. At least most airlines charge for it. That's the way it works. One of the ways that some people have found to get around this is by saying, my dog, cat, pig, miniature, horse, whatever, is an emotional support animal. And I need this to be able to comfort me while I fly because I have this condition or that condition or whatever. This is different, of course, than the Americans with Disabilities Act where you have, like you're seeing eye dogs or whatever. But it's been a problem as more and more people decide they want to try to get on airplanes with their pets, calling them emotional support animals when, I mean, I think the truth is for a lot of those folks, with all due respect, they're just trying to avoid paying what it would cost to to have to take the dog or the cat with you. So Delta Airlines. Delta Airlines, and this it's not unique to Delta, but a number of the airlines are having getting complaints from people, and we've talked about this before. Hey, you're, you're on this jammed flight. Maybe you're allergic to dogs or, or cats or whatever. You're on this jammed flight, and you know the person next to you has this, this decent-sized dog that's there. Or you have these dogs that have occasionally, you know, bitten other passengers or whatever. So there's always this tension between, well, we want, we don't want customers to be nervous when they're flying versus, you know, what about the rights of everybody else? So here is the deal. Delta has been trying to deal with this for a while. Okay. Delta is again concerned that they've had, you know, issues with people bringing pets on saying they're emotional support animals and the pets biting people and the pets doing their business defecating and urinating you know on the plane because i mean you know you're sitting on there and all of a sudden you see this dog in the aisle and the dog decides to do its business all right that's not necessarily a pleasant sort of thing you know on the airlines so here's what delta is saying is going to happen um customers with flights on or after December 18th, will not be allowed to originate travel on flights longer than eight hours, all right, with an emotional support animal. So the idea is if it's a long-haul flight, like the one I was talking about where I was on from, you know, uh, Munich to, to Chicago, can't have a dog on there. You can't have your emotional support animal because what they're finding is the dogs can't hold hold it, you know, for that period of time. Secondly, they are saying no emotional support animals at all younger than four months old. Now, they are going to grandfather people in if you've booked tickets before that. But, you know, moving forward, no, no, serv- no emotional support animals on long-haul flights and no emotional support animals younger than four months old. All right. 
414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And Delta already has a policy where they say um, you're limited as to how many emotional support animals you can have. And they have also banned pit bull type dogs as service or support animals. All right. Is Delta going too far or do you applaud them? 414-799-1620. For me, I'm a supporter of Delta. But what do you think? 121, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Okay, Delta Airlines has been cracking down on people bringing pets onto their flights under the guise of it's an emotional support animal, which is different than something that's covered by, for example, by the Americans with Disabilities Act. Delta says no pit bull type type animals. They've said that for a while. Now what they're and they're saying, okay, no more than one emotional support animal. And now they're saying, all right, no no dog or cat under under four months, so no babies and no dogs at all for flights that are going to be longer than eight hours because their theory is, hey, these these dogs just they, they, they can't they can't hold it for longer than that. 414-799-1620. I, I say to Delta, you go, because I think this is an area which has just been grossly abused by a lot of of people, flimflam artists, flimflam artists that are out there that will give you a letter saying you need an emotional support animal to travel, and then rather than spending $125 to take Fluffy to Phoenix with you, all right, I want to fly for free. Brian in Appleton. Brian, you're in WTMJ. Good afternoon. Yeah, I, I totally support what they're doing, and I wish, actually, it was a little more strict because, like you said, it's, it's a totally unregulated area. You can go online, and within 24, 48 hours, you can have a certificate for an emotional support animal. And, and, you know, at a certain point, it just gets to be, like you said, it's ridiculous. I, I walk into a grocery store, and I, I have people are walking with their dogs because they need emotional support to buy a gallon of milk. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Well, and, and see, I mean, again, I, th- this comes from my perspective as a pet lover. I, I understand. I mean, pets, pets give you comfort. Pets give you emotional support. So I, I get all that. But at the same time, if you want to fly with Fluffy, spend 150 bucks. I just think this has just been this entire scam industry for the vast majority of people to let them fly their animals for free. Yeah. No, thanks for calling. You can't. No, thanks for call. Appreciate it. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And I do think, I mean, look, I think there needs to be a, a balancing that, that's out there. And that's, you know, you have some of the, some folks who've brought on these larger type of dogs and they've had situations where flight attendants have been bitten or other passengers have been bitten and things like that. And I, I understand. See, I get, I get that there's some people out there that don't think that any animal at all should ever be allowed to fly in the cabin of an airplane, again, because of our allergies or, or things like that. Now, I don't go that far. I think, again, you have to have this happy medium. I think there are scammers that are out there and that, again, are, are trying to figure out a way to fly with their pets, and they're using this as their excuse to do it. A- at the same time, I mean, I, I do understand why sometimes you want to fly with your pet. You know, that's the only way that's the only reasonable way you have of getting your pet from you know one place to another if you're going to be there for a while. So, I mean, I think there needs to be a, a balancing, but it's gotten way, way, way out of whack. And my guess is a lot of people are going to have support for that. And, you know, maybe we'll go down this route a little bit later on because there's a story out of Racine. But, I mean, in all honesty, and you know how I feel about pit bulls if you're a regular listener, I don't want to be 
on a three-hour flight on an airplane sitting next to a pit bull. I understand there's people out there who love pit bulls and who think I'm very, very unfair with that. Fine, 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 fine. I don't want to be sitting next to a pit bull for three hours on a plane because those are dogs that your dog, your pit bull might be the most wonderful dog around, but how many stories do we have to hear about the pit bulls, like the one in Racine that's out there today, the one at Sturdivant, where the pit bull breaking away from its owner and, you know, killing other dogs and attacking people. I So I understand. I applaud Delta. Michael in Brookfield. Michael, you're on WTMJ. Hi, yeah. So I, I'm... I fly about 125,000 miles a year, so just a little bit. Um, and I agree with you on all the points. And one of the other things that I don't think ever gets addressed is safety. So if I'm sitting in the window seat and the person next to me has this 80-pound dog, which is not supposed to be in the aisle, right? and something happens, I have to get around that dog if that person is incapacitated. How do I get through? There's been no safety or security issues with that. So. Yeah, right. It, it, exactly. And it's just, I mean, you know, you raise a really interesting point. Anybody who's flown anywhere, and, and you, you of course, deal with it if you're flying 125,000 miles a year. But, I mean, it's just the airplanes, they're, they're sm- they're, they're, they put more people on. There's less leg room. There's less room in general. And, yeah, you've got a 70- or 80-pound dog on that plane. There's just no room for the thing on the plane when it's full. That's just the reality nowadays. Right. Yeah, no, thanks for coming. No, no, I think, I think that this will be, I think that this will be a hit. And, and look, I, I start off and I premise this by saying I appreciate that there are some people emotionally, for example, who it, you know, you're, you're afraid to fly. Well, you know, it helps to have your dog with you. I get all that. I, I understand and I, I don't dismiss that. But at the same time, if that's the way you want to go, pay to have your dog travel and the reality is if you pay to have the dog travel i suspect uh, some people might decide maybe they don't really need that dog to fly in the first place i'm all in favor of what delta is doing i I think they're trying to find that common sense balance that reflects the real world it's 127 jeff wagner wtmj it's 136 jeff wagner wtmj all right Nobody's got this Kimberly Clark thing right. All right, now I want to I want to back up for a, a minute here. I was I opposed the Kimberly Clark bailout when it was moving through the legislature, and I do it not because I want to see Kimberly Clark shut down a plant, but I, I do it because I think you have to draw a line somewhere, and and that is that every time you have an existing company that decides that it is going to hold the taxpayers hostage by saying we're going to cut X number of jobs unless you give us a bunch of money, I I don't think you can allow yourself to be – I'm going to say – I'm going to use the phrase blackmailed, and I'm not – I don't mean in a criminal sense, but you you understand what I'm referring to. Now, some people will say, well, Jeff, what about Foxconn? I think Foxconn is different because I think – Foxconn is transformative. In the Foxconn situation, you are talking about bringing thousands and thousands of jobs that weren't in Wisconsin to Wisconsin. You are talking about bringing, you know, an industry that really isn't in this country into this country. And you're talking about, you know, something that has the potential. Now, maybe 10 years from now it won't work out, but something that has the potential not just to be transformative for that area, but to be transformative for the state because of all the the, the things that you're going to be doing with education, the different universities who are going to now start training people to work at jobs like Foxconn. 
and all the different um, manufacturers and the different companies that you presume are going to come here because they want to be close to the Foxconn facility. So, I mean, I see Foxconn as transformative. I understand some people think maybe we overpaid for that. We, you know, we'll have a better idea 10 years from now about whether that's true or not. But Foxconn, to me, is different from, in this case, an existing manufacturer that's struggling. And I, I and quite candidly, while nobody wants to see 400 jobs disappear, the reality is in Wisconsin right now we're we're at pretty close to full employment. So if there's ever going to be an opportunity where one manufacturer says, "Okay, we're we're going to pull out, we're going to move jobs somewhere," that this this would be the time because. All right, at least there's other jobs out there. Maybe not as good a jobs. Maybe it requires relocating. But at least as far as, as employment, right now the big issue in Wisconsin is where are we going to get the workers for all the jobs that are there? So I oppose the Kimberly-Clark bailout. All right? I also, also... I'm on record as opposing a lot of the legislation that went through in in this lame duck session, not necessarily because I disagree with some of it, but I just the process bothers me. And I, I know you may disagree with me on this as well. I just think it's kind of unseemly. You have one set of rules when you have a Republican governor and a Republican controlled legislature, and then the Republican governor is going out, you got a Democrat governor coming in. And so you want to change the rules and, and the, All I can say is, when Democrats tried to do that eight years ago, I was one of the people screaming bloody murder. You shouldn't hamstring the incoming Republican legislature with employee contracts. You shouldn't hamstring the incoming governor with employee contracts. It's not that the Democrats have a particularly high ground on this, because they they tried to do exactly that. They just didn't have the votes to do it. So, But I, I, I I have an issue with the process. So, you know, you have that, and I wasn't in favor of the bailout. So today, Governor Walker announces that he's apparently got this deal with Kimberly Clark where he's found a way to bypass the legislature and under some authority that he has, but that Tony Evers might not have if the governor signs this lame duck legislation, uh, the governor's come up with about $25 million, which will keep Kimberly Clark here for the foreseeable future. Whether it's $25 million or whether it's $70 million or whether it's $100 million, I, I still I think you are sell, setting a dangerous precedent in, in doing this because what does happen the next time you have – I, I don't know any company that comes up and says, hey, we've been employing a couple hundred people. You know, we're looking at moving or closing. You know, we want money. Where do you end up drawing the line? So I I would have voted no for the Kimberly-Clark bailout if I was in the state Senate. And I, I don't necessarily think I appreciate Governor Walker's trying to save jobs. I get it. But I think you set a bad precedent. And I think as the outgoing governor, maybe you should have left this all up to Tony Evers. So that's kind of how I look at this, what's going on. Now, having said that, Tony Evers weighs into this. This is the governor-elect. Here's what he says. I'm looking at a statement. The Republicans' lame duck session overriding the will of the people, to which I would say eye roll, give me a break, would affect the governor's ability to lead on economic development through proposals like the one announced for Kimberly Clark today. Unfortunately, Republicans played politics with this issue for months, leaving Kimberly-Clark workers and their families in the dark and uncertain about their futures, at which point I want to say, hold it. During the campaign, Tony Evers didn't want to talk about much with this at all. And to the extent he did, 
He was on the side of the Democrats who didn't want to do the bailout. Now, I mean, here's the bottom line of all this. You know, the, the, the Republicans have been, and the governor, have for months and months been pushing the Kimberly-Clark bailout. It went through the state assembly. It came over to the state Senate. And the reason you didn't get this bailout legislation wasn't because of the Republicans. It was because no Democrat or almost, I think no Democrats, nobody on the Democratic side of the aisle wanted to support it. You had a majority of Republicans, but not enough to get it done, given the fact that, you know, there were no Democrats that were supporting this. So when Tony Evers say, says Republicans played politics with this on this issue for months, leaving Kimberly Clark workers and their families in the dark and uncertain about their futures, no, 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 no. The Republicans, now you could argue that they were, it was ill-considered, but the Republicans in the assembly were the ones who wanted to save those jobs and give them the money. A majority of Republicans in the state Senate wanted to do the same thing to the extent that workers at Kimberly Clark and their families have been in the dark and uncertain about their futures. Well, that's because there were no Democrats in the state Senate that wanted to support it. That's on you and your party, Tony. All right, then he goes on to say, I've said all along that we need a long-term, industry-wide solution to the challenges facing the paper industry. And the governor of our state shouldn't be hamstrung when it comes to economic development, and that's why I continue to call on Governor Walker to veto the lame duck legislation. I have no idea what that means. That is just double talk. I mean, all right, we need a long-term, industry-wide solution to the challenges facing the paper industry. What exactly would that be, Governor-elect Evers? Well, you don't have any ideas on that. I'm just saying this is one where it strikes me that everybody, everybody ends up being wrong. I, I think Governor Walker trying to bail out trying to bail out Kimberly Clark, I don't think that that's the right move. But Tony Evers suggesting that this is because Republicans played politics with the issues. No, go talk to go talk to the Senate Democrats and say, gee, you know, if five or six of you would have voted for this, this thing would have gone through because that's why it ended up dying. 147, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. You know, we, we've been talking for the last couple of weeks. Just it, it seems here that almost every time I sit down between noon and three, um, the, the program is, is interrupted by WTMJ Time Saver Traffic Reports because there's some mess out on, on the roadways. Last Friday, we were out in Delafield, and there was, unfortunately, that that collision. Two people lost their lives. One car loses control, I guess, crosses over the line. It, it just, but at least in that case, you, you understand what was going on. Somebody loses control. It's that. Yesterday, you had I-43 just south of Brown Deer Road closed for four hours, but it was a, a semi-driver who apparently was reaching for a sandwich <clears throat> took his eye off the road and slammed into another semi that was parked by the side of the road. Thankfully, nobody was seriously injured. But, I mean, you had these two semis, this big collision. So it was, it was for four you know, hour closures. Those you understand, right? And it's, I mean, that you understand inattentive driving or somebody loses control or whatever. The, I, and, and maybe this is just anecdotal, and that's what I want to talk about with you. It seems that stretch in Racine County, where they are doing the road work, it seems like that is just a nightmare on almost a daily basis. And whether it's people driving too fast or whether it's the nature of the construction 
or whatever. It seems like on an almost daily basis, you've got, like today, you've got the freeway essentially put at a dead stop. Now, I was saying earlier, I've got a couple friends of mine who work at SC Johnson and Racine, so they drive from uh, they drive from Milwaukee County down there, and you know they they tell me it's just it's just a crapshoot, and any day because you just never know you know what you're going to find, and you know you have to be prepared for alternative routes because otherwise you're just stuck. I want to open up the phone lines for one segment four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now that's. I, I don't drive that stretch on a regular basis. It, it is only an occasional thing. And the last two times I've driven it, it has been a nightmare. It, it's just been a nightmare. I understand also that whenever you're dealing with road construction and things like that, you're, you're going to have slowdowns. It seems to me, though, that there's something going on in that area that makes it more prone to complete and, and total you know, shutdowns or massive delays or, or whatever. And uh, maybe, it's, maybe it's excessive speed. Maybe it's bad drivers. Maybe it's some, I don't know, poor, poor designs of, of how the work is being done. But I want to open up the phone lines. Our number, 414-799-1620. What is going on there? And it, is, there, is this just a freak thing? You know, okay, we, we've had the accident, and it's road construction, and you have an accident that's in the middle of road construction, necessarily it's going to, to stop, all right? And and if this were, if today were the only day we'd be talking about this, well, it's okay, well, maybe it's an aberration. It, is this something more? Is there a design issue? What is the problem with that stretch of roadway? Or is there a problem with that stretch of roadway? Is it just, well, it's a construction zone. What do you expect? So if you drive that on a regular basis, I would be curious as to what you think. Let's start with Rob in Racine. Rob, you're on WTMJ. Hi there. Hi, Rob. Yeah, I take this stretch of road uh, twice a week from Milwaukee all the way down to Kenosha. Speed limit is 60 miles an hour, and people are passing me like I'm absolute standing still. Okay. Trucks are supposed to use the left lane. Um, they're in the right lane. They're flying by me, and it's just—it's nerve-wracking. Right. So you think it's just people driving too darn fast through through that area, given all the construction? Yes, definitely. Yeah. Do you, let me. Some people have suggested to me that the speed limit down there, given all that's going on. At least until the construction is done, it shouldn't even be 60, that you should be maybe looking at 45 or something like that. Yeah. For the longest time, it was 70. And then after a couple accidents, they reduced it down to 60. It's still too fast. Right. Okay. Thanks to call for I mean, that is That is one of the suggestions. A number of people have said, Jeff, it's too fast in that area for right now. And, and again, I mean, I understand what he's saying. If the speed limit is 60, even a construction zone, you've got people who are going to be driving 80 uh, the, one of the suggestions I've heard is it should be 45 and that you might reduce the number of, of accidents. Lenny, who is calling us from I-94. Lenny, you're on WTMJ. Hi. Hi. I'm, I'm, just call, I'm, I'm calling because I commute from the Gurney area to Menominee Falls uh, every day, so I see the traffic both directions before, during, and after the construction, and I just wanted to give my thoughts. Sure. So what do you think? So... so the biggest issue in my mind is that, uh, well, first of all, before I go to work and uh, and before I head home, I always put it in my GPS so I can see where the delays are going to be and try to navigate around them because inevitably there's going to be delays. Right. 
and and I will tell you that the, the speeding may be a problem, but uh, only recently could it have been a problem because you functionally could not speed uh, for the last three or four months because the traffic was so heavy. Right. They've, they've opened up uh, lanes since then. To me, the biggest problem is they have no shoulders. Okay. Uh, so if there's just a simple dump truck on Friday, excuse me, on yeah, on Saturday, a simple dump truck going northbound stall. Well, I looked at, I was going southbound. It, it was a five-mile backup. Okay. For a simple dump truck, I don't know if he ran out of gas. I don't know if he broke down. But a simple stall like that caused a five-mile backup. Right. Because you can't pull off the road. And emergency vehicles can't get to them, and neither can tow trucks. Right, and so, there, that that area, there's also no way to get off. There's there's no easy way to get off the freeway. There, there's you know miles between the different exits as well. So once once that happens, you're pretty much stuck. There, you got to get around it. Yeah. Right. That was my second point. You know, they've closed down so many of the exits that uh, you know you could be in a five mile backup with nowhere to go because there's no exits between you. And the incident. Right. So and until they figure out uh, that when they shut down the traffic, an emergency or tow truck vehicle can go uh, and address the situation, uh, you know, mm-hmm. from ahead of the closed lanes rather than through the traffic right. to help clear it quicker. I mean, I don't, I don't know what other solution there could be. Got it. Because you go from two lanes to no lanes with no shoulder, and the options are just zero without exits. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Uh, Scott on I-94. Scott, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. I, uh, I drive this stretch of road. I'm stuck in the traffic jam right now, and I drive it two, three times a day. And uh, there are a lot of safety measures that could be taken, like the previous caller said. But uh, amongst my fellow drivers that drive for the same company I do, we were talking about it, and we all agree that the speed limit should be 45 through here. There's no way it should be 60, because like the first caller said, 60 miles an hour gives you a 75. Right. You know? Right. So 40, 45, maybe 50 uh, should be the max speed through here, and, you know, you got to enforce it. Right, right, you know, and pull people over. Yep. Here. Right. We're out here driving truck trying to keep that speed, and there's other truckers coming flying by us, and it's dangerous you know it's like well, knuckling it all the way through here well right because because the the, the, the the lanes are narrowed i mean you you've got you got all right. sorts of stuff like the guy was saying there's no shoulder the lanes are narrowed no thank, thanks for the call 414-799-1620 so i think there's a couple things i mean it, it is the speed i i think with all due respect to my friends at the the dot i think it is a poorly designed situation where you know people there, there's there, there's nowhere to go if something does happen. Like the guy was saying, it's okay, a dump truck stalls, and that's, you know, that's what happens. Cars break down. There's, there's nowhere for that car to go. Immediately, boom, you're going to have a major problem. Rick and McGuanago. Rick, you're on WTMJ. Um, hi. I uh, work for UPS, and I pull doubles through there. Yes, sir. And we go, go through there up to twice each way, twice a night. The main issue is there's no pull-offs for emergency vehicles or if somebody breaks down. Right. Uh, you got a 17-mile stretch there. Um, and, in fact, uh, all of our buddies, I mean, we all voted for Walker, but we, we even named the, the freeway, freeway the Walker 101 and the Walker 202. <laughs> okay. And it's just uh, so dangerous. And I, and what is kind of disappointing, that should have been done last year. They were doing it safely five miles 
a year right um at a time and it would have been completely done and when they were doing it during that five miles it was just you know done very safe right so i mean you're you're you think that the biggest problem is to just there's just nowhere to go if if you do have the accident if you do have the car that has the flat tire or whatever that's immediately caused and that that happens inevitably there's just nowhere to go with those cars and so they're backing everything up well they're exactly and then the, the vehicles at a dead stop i know uh, holland had a, a truck driver die there with a stopped uh, told, yep. uh, dump truck, I believe. And then there's a, a Conway truck that just flipped over. Right. And it, the speed might have something to do with it, but there's, I've never been in such a long stretch with no pull-offs. Got it. No, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Well, okay. For our friends at the Department of Transportation who I know are listening. All right. I, I understand that the attitude is there's nothing to see here. There's no problem. I'm telling you, it's a mess. And now I don't know what you do with it at this point in time, but I'll tell you on an almost daily basis, you're, you're getting these types of stories where people are saying we can't get through in a timely sort of fashion. And, you know, I, it, it does it does make sense to me if you've got long stretch of roads where no shoulder, there's nowhere for emergency vehicles to get through. There's nowhere for cars that have broken down to go. If there is that collision, you can't get them out of traffic in a timely fashion. That's what you get. That's what you get when you design it with, again, not allowing those emergency exits. All right, 158, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Bobcats in Whitefish Bay, and the DNR says, eh, stick around. 209, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Okay, one final thought on the, the mess on the freeways and, and going on. I do, I do have a text, perhaps makes a fair point. She says, everybody knows more than the experts, the traffic engineers, the troopers. Um, no matter what they do, it won't be right. Well, I, it's not a question of everybody knowing more than the experts. It's a question of maybe the so-called experts have gotten it wrong. And, and all I know is that when you have a particular area that on a regular basis appears to have massive problems that tells you that maybe there, there's something wrong. And I guess, to me, it seems like that whole area where the slowdown is now, speed limit is too fast, number one. And number two, that again, you've got, you've got no shoulder, you've got nowhere for cars to go if a car breaks down or there is a collision, and that's going to inevitably lead to the, the problems you're having, and you're having them on a regular basis. So figure it out. That's that's easy. All right. Update on a couple stories that, that we've talked about in, in the past. First of all, uh, I think it was last week. Maybe it was earlier this week. I, I was telling you about the, these the situations in, in Menominee Falls where, again, this is this is crime that spreads from the city. You had these these situations where all these cars were, were not broken into but they were they were open. The car doors were left unlocked, and people were going in and stealing stuff. Some guy left his wallet in his car, and his car was unlocked, and took the wallet. And for some reason, the wallet had three thousand bucks in it. Um, like to have that guy's wallet. But regardless, well, actually, somebody else now has his wallet. Uh, but what was happening is you you had these people who were going in and and. You know, opening the car doors. Now, I understand the message from the police was, "Well, don't leave your car door unlocked," which is it is fine as far as it goes. I don't criticize that. But what I thought was the staggering detail is all these thefts in Menominee Falls had been these these weren't cars on the streets or in parking lots. These were almost exclusively, if not exclusively, these were cars in people's driveways. What was it like ten or fifteen that were, were opened? Well, that tells me 
if if you find 10 or 15 cars that are unlocked that means that the people that were doing this they, they probably they, they, they probably tried to open 100 200 car doors and these are in people's driveways so you have criminals who are so bold that they are walking up people's driveways. Look, it, it, it's one thing if somebody leaves their car running on a public street and it's unlocked and you have the people that are driving by and they see it and they jump in and they drive away. That, that's, that's one thing. It's another thing, though, when criminals have gotten so bold that they're walking up your driveway. And my guess in Menominee Falls, like I say, if you're going to do this and steal out of 10 cars, that means you probably walked up I don't know, a hundred driveways. I mean, it, it just says that this is going on. So this is, again, the logical extension of this. It's a story that Fox 6 had. Um, Menominee Falls police searching for three suspects who were involved in an armed robbery on Saturday, December 8th. Here's the deal. A woman, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. So this is 2 o'clock last Saturday. She pulls into her driveway she's not on the street she's into her driveway she's getting out of her car and the police say two suspects got out of a car walked up to the woman as she was getting out of her car pulled her purse off her arm as she was getting out of her car in the driveway um etc etc so her purse is snatched and then, um, I guess another car, then they end up trying to steal the vehicle, steal the car. Now, the other thing is about this is, is there surveillance pictures? Apparently there must have been something up in the driveway or whatever. I, I was looking at the pictures of the people that were involved in this. I, I'm bad with ages, but if these, if these people were older than 15, I will be shocked. Now, I, again, it, it's, I, I'm bad with ages. Might be 25, might be 35. They looked like they were 15 to me, at least the two that, that were on the surveillance photos. It, it looks to me like, again, you have roving bands of teenagers. Maybe they are from Menominee Falls, but my guess is probably not, that are now driving through the suburbs. And I mean, the one story was, you know, people, they're going up into people's driveways, opening unlocked cars and stealing stuff out. And I guess, I guess I was shocked that, you know, they're brazen enough to go up into people's driveways. Well, now they are going up into people's driveways, waiting for people, particularly women who are getting out of the cars, and they are strong arm robbing them and stealing the cars. Right? This, this is why the breakdown of the criminal justice system has been so very troubling. And it's why I guarantee you one of the themes on this program over the course of the next year or two with Tony Evers coming in as governor, he's already announced that he's got this this new Blue Ribbon Commission, which is going to look at um, criminal incarceration. And it's primarily criminal defense attorneys um, and people who academics who are on record as being, I would say, soft on crime, but that does not do justice to it. And, you know, some some people who, you know, were in the justice system like in the 90s and maybe 10 or 15 years ago who all approach it from a liberal perspective, no prosecutors a- at all. And, and this is this is what's going to be the battle over the next couple of years. It's going to be, well, we need to figure out ways to not hold these people accountable. 
and I guess, you know, talk to the woman in Menominee Falls who was 2 o'clock in the afternoon, the victim of strong armed robbery. Talk to all those people in Menominee Falls who had their cars, who were silly enough to leave their cars unlocked in their own driveways. I mean, this, this is going to be a huge issue moving forward. When we come back, nothing to see here. It's just a bobcat. Huh. Stick around. 215 Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. As Melissa just said, it's 219. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. All, all right. One of the things, and we have talked about this before, is over the last few years, there's been a larger presence of coyotes or coyotes, depending on where you grew up and how you want to pronounce it, in in the urban areas. And it's it's caused a number of problems. I mean, I've told the story before. I, I have some friends who live in Whitefish Bay, right? by the lake and they, they had one of their pets they they let cats outside and one of their one of their pets was killed by coyotes that are living along the bluff along the lake and in general the reaction by the dnr and by authorities as a general rule has been well n- nothing to see here nothing we can do um if the coyote attacks your pet well i mean try to scare it off don't leave your pets outside unattended um all right fine as far as it goes, except it seems to me if you're a property taxpayer, maybe you should be able to let your dog, your little dog out in, in the backyard without worrying about this. But the larger point is, if if some of these predatory animals are going to attack small animals, what, what do we say about children? Okay, that, you know, don't don't leave your infant unattended, you know, in the backyard for a couple of seconds because you never know that coyote might come out. So that that's that's been the coyotes. And I do feel bad because the, the gal that the DNR trots out all the time, she essentially says nothing to see here. They they typically don't attack, but we recommend that you you know you, you try to scare them off, and they, they typically won't attack people. Uh, wonderful, and that that's going to be great, and until the first child gets attacked. Well, now it's not coyotes. Here's the story on today's TMJ four. Third bobcat sighting reported in Whitefish Bay, now near schools. I am looking at a picture. Of this bobcat, and this this is a big animal. All right, I mean, I wouldn't want to tangle with a coyote. This this is a bobcat. These things, in my opinion, belong in zoos. Here's the story: a third bobcat sighting has been reported in Whitefish Bay in less than a week. This time near schools. Principal Amy Kern at Holy Family Parish School spotted one late Tuesday night as she was driving away from the school. All of a sudden, I would say a very large shadow of an animal is slowly crossing Hampton Avenue. She watched it cross the street around 9 p.m., head into the Cumberland Elementary School parking lot. To be very honest, I thought for a split second, whose small horse or pony is that? And I knew it did not make sense. Um... Kern thinks it's the same one recently spotted around town. There have been three sightings reported in Whitefish Bay. The first was on December 5th, Lake Drive by Big Bay Park. The second one was again by Lake Drive, etc. It's big, she says. It's not scrawny. It did not look unhealthy. It looked like a kind of big cat. She followed the bobcat with her car, watching it work, walk towards the playground at Cumberland Elementary before it took off. Once it got into the lights, it slunked away pretty quickly. I did not see it again. Okay, which means it just ran off to be somewhere else. All right, the schools nearby said they aren't taking any precautions. The Wisconsin Department of Natural Resources says bobcats usually avoid humans. <laughs> usually avoid humans. I don't know, Gru. 
Do you find that to be comforting? You got this bobcat that's roaming around one of the toniest areas of Milwaukee County, and they say <coughs> it usually avoids humans. Huh. Except when they don't. Okay. The Department of Natural Resources says bobcats usually avoid humans. Officials do suggest you keep an eye on your pets, especially smaller ones, and not let them out alone. So in other words, we've got these wild animals that are roaming. That's not, we're not talking coyotes now. We are talking about a bobcat. And the general reaction is nothing to see here. Don't let your pets out uh, uh, alone. And I guess this is kind of going through me. I used to live in Whitefish Bay. And that's going to be happening in any area. I used to live in Whitefish Bay. And, yes, I would walk my little dog after dark. And my little dog would be... Well, candidly, she would be an appetizer, maybe not even an appetizer for this bobcat. And the reaction is, well, nothing to see here. Just don't let your pets out alone. 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I don't mean to be alarmist, but it's a bobcat. And, And presumably, if there's one, there is more. Should perhaps the DNR be a little bit more concerned about bobcats roaming around in urban areas here without merely just saying, well, don't leave your pets out alone? 414-799-1620. This kind of laissez-faire attitude candidly drives me nuts. And, and, and I understand maybe they don't want to deal with this. Maybe they don't want to address this certain element who says, well, it's, okay, it's just, it's nature. It's just a bobcat, whatever. But how many of these things do we have to have before it turns out that, gee, they don't generally mess with humans before one of these things decides that it's going to go after a child? or that it's going to go after somebody who's walking their pet, and that person ends up in the hospital. 414-799-1620. I'm I'm sorry. At some point in time, do you reach the point where the advice of keeping an eye on your pets and not letting them out alone isn't sufficient if there's bobcats roaming through the areas? 414-799-1620. We discuss in just a moment. 224, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 227, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. I'm looking at this picture on today's TMJ4's website of this bobcat that is roaming around Whitefish Bay. This is not a small animal. And, of course, nobody seems to be too terribly concerned about it. The DNR says bobcats avoid humans generally. <laughs> and But do watch out for your pets and don't leave them out alone. Maybe we should get rid of the bobcats from the urban areas. 414-799-1620. Let's start with Jeff in West Bend. Jeff, good afternoon. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. I was just going to respond with uh, your Whitefish Bay Bobcat. Well, there's also one sitting that was uh, last night as I was stuck in a traffic jam. Uh, I was just up near the Holy Hill, right on 41 there. And right at the edge of the highway, a Bobcat walked up to the edge of the highway. I slowed down because I thought it was going to run out in front of me. It turned and then walked right back in the edge of the uh, road and just kind of like sat there and stared off at the <laughs> at the traffic as we drove by. And when I got home, I said, you know, you ain't going to believe this, but I swear to God, it was like being at the zoo. <laughs> yeah. as, as I got uh, up my holy hill, a bobcat was standing there at the side of the road. Yeah. She goes, cut it out. I said, I'm serious. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I hear on the news last night, they were talking about a bobcat in Whitefish Bay, and I'm like... Yep. Well, there's more than Whitefish Bay because they're standing right on the side of the highway. Well, right, yeah. I mean, thanks for calling. I mean, at least, at least, at least in the zoo, 
they're not going to be attacking you. Okay, so here's a text. So what? You want the DNR to go around and start shooting every bobcat it sees because you have a dog? First of all, bobcats don't belong in urban areas. So I don't care if they shoot them. I don't care if they tranquilize them and take them to a bobcat ranch. But, yeah, yeah, yes, I want to be in urban areas. Yes, I want them out of there because what's going to happen is they're going to attack pets, and sooner or later they're going to start attacking small children. And this is something that has been foreseeable, but this idea that, okay, well, we're not going to do anything. Now, it's one thing. I think they should be more aggressive with coyotes. Okay, I, I do. I think that, yes, you, the, the answer to someone would say, well, just don't leave your pets outside. Don't put your cat out at night because it's going to be chow for some of these animals in urban areas. It's, look, it's one thing if you're living in a rural area, that's what you deal with. But urban areas, no, they do not mix. And this idea that we're going to just turn our back and nothing to see here, well, all right, when, when that child is inevitably attacked, then then people are going to start saying, well, why didn't we do something? When the person who's walking their dog and the dog starts barking at the bobcat and the bobcat decides it's going to attack, and when that person ends up in the emergency room or in the morgue, then we're going to say, well, they typically don't do this, but they must have been provoked because the dog barked at it. Well, maybe the better answer is getting the bobcats out of some of the urban areas. And candidly, for people who live in places like Whitefish Bay and pay a ton of taxes, I mean, I, I think it's fair to go to City Hall and say, what are you doing about this? Because, yeah, we like to leave our children outside, and, yeah, we like to leave our pets outside from time to time, and we pay enough in taxes that maybe we think we haven't shouldn't have to worry about them being mauled by bobcats, for the love of goodness. 236, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. All right, this is uh, – I, I have – I am one of these people who thinks that the hop is ultimately going to turn out to be a, a huge flop once the smoke clears, once people start realizing it doesn't go anywhere, and then once people have to start paying for it as well. But I, I'm willing to acknowledge that you know maybe I, I will be wrong. Maybe five years from now, we'll look and say, okay, this is the greatest thing since canned beer. I don't believe that, but I, I'm willing to acknowledge I could be wrong. The news today, no matter how you cut it, though, is pretty good because we're – we are not going to know whether the hop is going to be a success or whether it's going to be a, a giant failure until it's had a little bit of time. Because once the novelty is worn off and once it's not subsidized and it's not free, you know, then I think you're going to get a real handle on on people's usage of this. And after we go through a couple winters and we look at the reliability and things like that. Well, in any event, the, the city doesn't want to do that. I mean, the city doesn't want to wait. The city wants to say, let's expand this. Let us build this as far as we can, as fast as we can, because then, you know, if it turns out that, that this first 2.1 mile stretch really does underperform over a year or two years, well, it'll be too late. We're already going to have everything else dug up. And so the city was pushing heavily to try to get 20 plus million dollars from the federal government to help fund a 40 million dollar extension of the trolley line from the bus depot to Fiserv Forum. The idea being, hey, if we can get it to Pfizer Forum, you know, maybe we can increase ridership. Now it's going to cost us $40 million to do that, but, you know, we'll 
Again, we'll go to the federal government with our hat in our hands, and we'll see what we'll do. The federal government, this is the Business Journal reporting it today, federal government said said no dice. They were passing out all sorts of grants. And as a matter of fact, they did give Wisconsin $20 million, but that's going to be going to create an interchange along State Highway 29 in Brown County. So an interchange that drivers might actually use as opposed to an extension of the streetcar line without this grant without the federal money it's just an extension is not going to happen now that doesn't mean that the city can't go back a couple years from now two years from now four years from now and try to get more money my only point would be that's fine two years from now four years from now five years from now we'll have a better idea once the novelty is worn off we'll have a much better idea as to whether the hop is the flop that i think it's going to be or whether it's that this incredible attraction that has millennials pouring into downtown milwaukee and huge business development along the lines one way or the other we're going to know after a certain period of time we don't know that now so that's why at least in my opinion it would have been absolutely insane to simply say okay well we're going to take another 40 million dollars and we're going to extend something that may be great or may be absolutely lousy give it a few years figure out whether this is something that the city of milwaukee really needs now the other interesting dynamic is obviously tom barrett is the huge proponent of this the question in my mind is once once Barrett's gone, and there's all sorts of speculation about whether Barrett is going to run for re-election again in 2020, but once Tom Barrett and his pet project are, are gone, he's the biggest advocate for this, Are is the next administration, is the next version of the Common Council, are they going to be as willing to push this? So I, I'm sure the city through Tom Barrett, was hoping, let's get as much money as we can, let's get as much stuff dug up as we can before we know for sure whether the first 2.1 miles is a success or not. Uh, federal government said, nope, that, that's not going to happen. So at least short term, no extension of the hop. And again, you know, maybe the numbers are going to justify this, and we'll have a better idea a couple years from now, especially when people have to start paying to use it. We'll get a better handle on the true usage and the true cost. But for today, no immediate federal money, which means no expansion of the proposal. Um, another story that's out there, as long as we're talking about issues related to local institutions, local things, uh, Summerfest reporting that its operating income well was was down net operating income was down and and of course that's not surprising because attendance at summerfest was down i think arguably relatively dramatically this year now let me back into this I, if you are a regular listener of this program you know i am a huge fan of summerfest i i think i think it is a treasured institution I think the current Summerfest board and Summerfest CEO Don Smiley are outstanding stewards of this event. And I think they've been incredibly forward thinking. You know, when you think about all the different music festivals that have come and gone over the last four or five decades, you know, and Summerfest is still growing and it's still thriving and it's still surviving. And you look at, at the, I think, the forward thinking that you see going on, again, with Don Smiley and with his team, with members of the board, you, you see the capital improvements that they're making and all the investments that they're they're doing and the way the grounds constantly change. I, I think they're definitely on, on the right track. So I'm big, big fans. Now, 
This year, again, attendance was down dramatically and, and revenue was down. And the, uh, the story in the journal Sentinel, for example, it, it talks about how, how Summerfest is suggesting that three days of excessive heat and two days of, of rain might have contributed to the attendance being down. And I, I think that is obviously fair because any time you have an outdoor festival, you're always going to be weather dependent. And you talk to anybody, whether there's somebody that organizes one of the ethnic festivals in town or anybody that, that's been involved in organizing a church festival or, or something like that. In Milwaukee, southeastern Wisconsin during the summer, you're going to be weather dependent. You can have the best plans you want. You can have the best attractions, etc. And if it rains, well, okay, it's going to hold down the crowds. If it is really, really hot or really, really cold, it's going to hold down the crowds. And so that's why you, you do have to, you can't just, I think, necessarily look at like one particular year to determine how you're doing because there, there's always going to be these kind of variables that you can't control. Now, having said all that, I, I don't, I also hope Summerfest isn't quite that simplistic because I think there's more stuff going on. I think if you look at Summerfest's lineup last year, they were very, very sensitive to criticisms that they got in the past, that there was too much stuff for baby boomers, things like that. So they, I think whether it was intentional or whether it was just a product, a byproduct of, of the acts that were out there, I think they went to the other extreme. I believe that the programming was largely, not exclusively, but I think it, it was largely for for the very young. I mean, you know, and you had stuff for the teenagers. You had stuff for the people that were in their 20s and things like that. But, you know, if you – I mean, I talked to a lot of people I know who were in their 40s and 50s and 60s, people with disposable income who were saying, we don't know any of these groups and we don't want to see any of these groups. And I, I think – you know, those are the folks that, you know, w- would show up perhaps in the past. And I think a lot of them didn't go this time. So I appreciate the issue. And again, I'm a huge fan of Summerfest. I appreciate what they're talking about when they say there's weather concerns, you know, rain, and there was heat and things like that. But my only advice to my friend Bob Babish would be I'd look over that lineup. And I think you have to look over it critically and you have to recognize, yes, we, we want to have we want to have acts for that are going to attract people who are, you know, 18 years old, 16 to 18. And we want to have acts that are going to attract people in, in their, their 20s. But don't forget about the people in their 30s. And don't forget about the people in their 40s. And don't forget about the people in their 50s and even the people in the 60s. Because some of those people still have money and still like to go out to shows. So don't turn your back on them. Because when you do, that might explain something some of the drop-off in attendance that you get because I think it is I think it is a byproduct of some of the entertainment and candidly I thought last year's schedule got away from that but that doesn't mean Summerfest isn't a great event it doesn't mean it's going to continue to be incredibly successful 245 Jeff Wagner WTMJ 249 Jeff Wagner WTMJ so very very glad to have you with us all right now President Trump has done it. He's really made the media mad. All right, it's I, I understand when he, he said your fake news, et cetera, et cetera, that, that irritates people when he calls out reporters and says, you know, you're a disgrace, you know, it, it, CNN or whoever should be ashamed of, of having you, you know, you know, work for them. That that irritates people. But now he's really hacked off people. 
Trump cancels White House Christmas party for the press. This is this is Fox News. President Trump has canceled the White House holiday party for the media, making the decades old tradition a victim of its increasingly contentious relationship with major news organizations. The annual Christmas season gathering was a significant perk for those covering the White House, as well as other Washington reporters, anchors, and commentators. And New York media executives would regularly fly in for the occasion. At its peak, the invitation-only soirees grew so large that there were two back-to-back events, one for broadcast outlets and one for print organizations. Okay, so here's, all right, here's where it really gets interesting. All right, journalists who attended the events which featured a catered buffet of lamb chops, crab claws, elaborate desserts, got to roam the decorated mansion with a spouse or other family member, a friend or colleague, according to the invitation's allure. Now, allure, my guess is there was also free liquor. Don't know that for sure, but my guess is there's free booze. So, I mean, now, now Trump has gone and done it. Because, you know, if you thought they were mad at him before, well, now he's canceled the gravy train. I can just I can see all these White House reporters. I'm not going to have to eat for a week. Crab claws, lamb chops, what's whatever. I can picture some of these folks showing up like the ladies with their handbags, bringing the big purses because we're going to try to see how many crab claws we can throw into the purse over the course of the evening and lamb chops apparently that's all taken off the thing the biggest fringe benefit was picture-taking sessions in which the president and first lady would patiently pose with guests and briefly chat with them in front of a christmas tree with the white house then sending out photos copies of which were invariably sent home to mom so i think I mean, I don't know. I don't know whether it's the uh, the photos, but I think you take away their food. I mean, you say, okay, no lamb chops, no crab claws, no fancy desserts. And again, I don't know if the booze was free or not, but you take away all that, and, and you've got all these journalists. Now he's gone and done it. He has taken away our crab claws. Go figure. The other interesting Trump-related story, and maybe tomorrow we'll talk about the – the, the latest is, you know, is there really a move to impeach him? Does people really care about the, the hush money payments to uh, Stormy Daniels? But the other, the interesting thing is the, the new poll numbers are out, and there's a new Fox News poll, for example, and interestingly, it has President Trump ending year two with a 46% job approval rating. Now, the, the interesting aspect of this story is that that's relatively close to where Barack Obama's approval rating was at the uh, you know at at this point in time in his his presidency. It's kind of like it, it sort of appears to I mean his approval rating, like I say, forty six percent according to the new poll, um, disapproval rating fifty two percent. Um, that's pretty much, again, where Obama was. His job approval rating was, was 45%, 48% uh, disapproved of his performance. So Trump's disapproval ratings are a couple points higher. His approval rating is a couple points higher a- as well. But it, it is interesting for, for everything that President Trump has been through and, and all the contention and all, th- there's still, 
you know, again, it's comparable to where Barack Obama was at the same time in his presidency. Now, looking ahead, don't get me wrong. I'm not suggesting that I think President Trump is positioned as well as President Obama was for reelection. As I have said repeatedly, one of the things that I think that the Trump administration and the campaign really has to work on is figuring out how to expand expand the, the tent beyond the people who voted for for him in 2016. If you look back, and I've made this point before, if you look back at, at other presidents, like Republican presidents, like Richard Nixon and um, Ronald Reagan, what they did is is they had a, a, they won with smaller majorities and, or in the case of President Nixon, a plurality, and, and but they were very, very loyal supporters. And what they were able to do over the course of their first term is they were able to expand their appeal out, grow their popularity. I, I don't see President Trump doing that. I see him solidifying his popularity with the people that already voted for him. But if you want to have success, you've got to figure out how to bring more people over. I don't necessarily see him doing that. I, I, don't, I don't think he's done that. Moving forward, can you? Yes, but it's definitely going to be tough. But bottom line, interesting takeaway from this Fox poll is, again, the popularity, if you want to compare him to Barack Obama two years in, there it's it's strikingly similar. Interesting. When we come back, we're going to find out what John and Melissa have on their minds for Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Please stick around. It's 254. This is Jeff Wagner.